All of this can't be done unless we understand the foundation of sound, and that is our word choice. So for our final point in today's discussion, we're going to talk about something called diction. Diction isn't something we always think about, but I'm here to tell you it is essential, especially in poetry. Diction, if we define it, simply refers to our choice of words and the phrases we use when we write and when we speak, including vocabulary, the linguistic style, the particular way that we as individuals use all of the things we just mentioned. Essentially, and this is important, the way we use diction and style creates our own particular voice. We don't need to have one poetic voice, but it is important to consider how we want our poems to sound and to remember that we as poets are in control of it. By being more precise with our sound and with our word choice, we can help drive a reader again, just like sound, to a particular meaning. So in order to explain and show the way that diction can work, I want to look at one of my most favorite poems written by John Berryman called Dream Song 28, Snow Line. Now we're not going to go word by word or line by line like we did with Dora Malik's poem, but I'd like to read it and then point out a couple of things when we think about diction. Snow Line. It was wet and white and swift and where I am, we don't know. It was dark and then it isn't. I wish the barker would come. There seems to be to eat nothing. I am unusually tired. I'm alone too. If only the strange one with so few legs would come, I'd say my prayers out of my mouth as usual. Where are his notes I loved? There may be horribles. It's hard to tell. The barker nips me, but somehow I feel he too is on my side. I'm too alone. I see no end. If we could all run, even that would be better. I am hungry. The sun is not hot. It's not a good position I am in. If I had to do the whole thing over again, I wouldn't. Okay. What's happening? Well, let's try to break it down a little bit. And the first thing that I want to call your attention to, we could talk about all kinds of things here, but I want us to think about diction. And that means I want to think about word choice and voice. Right away, we have a couple interesting things that occur. First, we have pronoun shifts. In the first two lines, it is wet and white and swift, and where I am, we don't know. Then we have tense shifts. It is dark, or it was dark, excuse me, and then it isn't. We also have uncommon titles and descriptions. The barker, later there's the phrase that says, the, the one with so few legs, the strange one, right? And then sentence structure also shows irregularity. There's a line that I just love in which he says, there seems to be to eat nothing. Now there's some really beautiful rhythm there, but that's not how we would typically say, there's nothing to eat. So what voice would say this? The more that we unpack it, we can start to see that maybe this isn't a human at all. There's a barker, some things being nipped at the heels. There's a strange one with so few legs. There's sort of group off in the distance and suddenly the speaker, we don't know who or what it is, is, is alone. Well, the more you read and the more you think about what's happening, you might come to notice that this poem actually is written from the voice of a sheep. 
And if you were going to let a sheep talk in a poem, would it have perfect sentence structure? Would it have perfect grammar? Would it follow the traditional rules that maybe many of you are studying in your English classes? No. So the disruption is there for a reason, as is the word choice. It is wet and white and swift, and where I am, we don't know. That's also calling attention to the group that the, the speaker, in this case the sheep, is lost from. The barker would come. This is the dog that goes around nipping at the heels of the sheep to get him back in the herd. But he can't even find that barker. The strange one with so few legs. That's the sheep herder. He can't even find the sheep herder. He can't even find his leader. So what's happened here? If you read the poem a couple more times, you'll get this sense that you have after maybe a storm. It was wet and white and swift. Snow was everywhere. And then it's not. And now I'm alone. And that's what's happened. And you have either a sheep that has been cast out of its group or a sheep that's wandered away. And the more we think about it, we start to unpack the metaphor. What does being a sheep mean? Oftentimes that means you're part of the herd. You're doing the same thing everyone else is. And many of you, I hope, are people who are saying to yourself, I don't want to be just like everyone else. I want to be my own individual. And that's true. And the poem here seems to be suggesting by the end, well, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't which I don't want you to take to mean I should only stay a part of the herd. I shouldn't be an individual because I think there's more at play here. The line that I want you to focus on is the first line of the final stanza. I'm too alone. I see no end. If we could all run, even that would be better. What I think is happening here is you have this sheep speaker saying it's not that I didn't want to get away from that herd. It's that being this far away for whatever the reason is, whether it was by choice whether it was something I did that pushed others away from me, it's left me too alone. And to be that alone, that might not be worth it. So what I get from this poem is a piece that says, it's wonderful to be an individual, but sometimes the things that we do that push others away. And in this case, I think it's important to note that Berryman struggled with addiction. and Maybe some of those things cast him away from his peers. And maybe if he had to do it all over again, he wouldn't. Is there another way to read this poem? Yes, there's a million other ways to read this poem. One other reading I like to think about is Berryman as a poet was somebody who always tried new things. And sometimes when you try new things, you can get down on yourself and you cannot feel the respect, the love, all of the accolades you want. And you might feel like giving up and you might feel like the sheep says at the end, I wouldn't do this over again. I should just do what everybody else is doing. But the beautiful thing to remember here is what has actually happened. Well, in this case, the poem was published. The book went on to include hundreds more dream songs, Berryman on to win a bunch of prizes, have a very successful career, and we're talking about the poem now. So in that sort of meta way, the very thing he's saying he didn't want to do is the very thing we as readers want that writer and this speaker to keep doing. And that's because of diction. The poem wouldn't be as nearly as interesting, right, if it just said, sometimes I feel like all the things I do aren't given as much respect as I deserve, and maybe I should do something else and be just like everyone else. Would you read that poem? Maybe you'd read it, but would you talk about it on a video lecture? Probably not. And that's how I feel too. So earlier we talked about sound, and we saw how that works, but don't forget diction. You can bring voice, new word choice, new phrasing into your poem that will help the reader understand something. You can give your poems the voice of an animal, or you can use turns of phrases that make me stop and consider. Because I venture to guess that all of you stopped when it said the barker would come. And you said, well, who's a barker? What's a barker? The strange one with so few legs. And I bet you stopped there because of the word choice and tried to figure out 
what does Berryman mean? Just like sound, just like figurative language, and just like image. These tricks, if you start to notice them when you read and you employ them in your writing, they are clues for the reader to stop and think more deeply and help us as readers engage more with the text and take a new meaning from it. And that's going to be your assignment this week as well. We want you to write a poem that has some kind of movement, some kind of motion, that shows some kind of transformation occurring. And we want you to use sound, we want you to use diction to try to get that feeling across. Consider what happens if you use regular rhyme and then a slant rhyme. Or if you use very strange and uh, very unique diction at a certain point in the piece. These things can call attention to new and exciting ideas in a poem. We're excited to see what you post. One final, very quick thing I just wanted to point out that I just remembered. At the very end of this poem, what happens? We have a poem that moves and shifts around, and there's no rhyme scheme. There's a couple moments of really beautiful uh, rhythm, but at the very end, what happens? The sun is not hot. It is not a good position I am in. If I had to do the whole thing over again, we get a rhyme within and again. So at the very end, there's a little bit of music before it falls back to a very hard and definite, I wouldn't. So even in this poem, there's some sonic elements you should pay attention to. So keep all that in mind. Happy writing. Talk to you soon.